Shabbat Shuvah. I'm not sure why long is part of it, but it is. Uh, this and uh, this shayur is uh, given in memory of Dr. Chuck Feldman, who I think I've spoken about several times. Is an exceptional personality in uh, Teaneck. I want to to start by making a few comments about free will. The free will is a topic that all the peoples in the world, religious and non-religious, have always been very interested in. Because it's very difficult, it's very difficult to create a meaningful system of existence uh, unless there is free will. Not to get into it, I don't want to get into it, but you understand that if we don't have free will, we can't really make moral decisions of any kind. We can't make a decision to do a good thing because there's no way to figure out what a good thing might be. And, and so it's always been assumed, it's always been assumed that we all have free will, like everybody in the world, and especially we Jews. And the Jewish notion of, of free will, or the idea that there is such a thing as free, in Hebrew, free will. So the idea, the idea that there is such a thing in, for, for us has always been based on some psukim and some ideas that were synthesized by the Rishonim. So the first thing I would like to do is remind you of the Rambam. Right? Remind you of the Rambam. The Rambam in Hilchot Tshuva, in Hilchot Tshuva, addresses the question of free will. In Hilchot Tshuva, in Hilchot Tshuva, there are several other topics that are covered, not only Tshuva, but obviously Tshuva falls into the same category. If you don't have free will, there's hardly any point to Tshuva. I mean, what do you want to start over again? Like the beavers are going to keep building the dams no matter what. They don't have free will. But we do have free will, and therefore, and the assumption is we have free will, and therefore it's important for us to know what the parameters of that free will is, and that's what the Rambam wanted to teach us. Right, so here I'm looking at, at this book because it's just easier for me to see the letters. But it's the same thing that you have on the sheet. The sheet is, uh, you see, it says Rambam Hilchot Shuvah Perkei, Halachot Dalid and Hey. Halachot Dalid. So we're going to go through these two halachot to kind of get a fix on on Bechirach of Sheet. And then we'll, we'll see what the difficulty is in our parasha. Right, the difficulty. Okay. This is what it says. If God would have determined that 
man, like, you know, before you're born, you get a little ticket. And it says, well, some say tzaddik and some say rashev. That's the way it was. If that was the world that God predetermined who would be a tzaddik and who would be a rasha, oh, ilu aya sham davar, shemoshechet aidabed ikar told atole derech min adrachim, or alternatively, if there was some force that pulled you in a particular direction, like you didn't have free choice. You couldn't do it on your own, but somehow it was electrical or magnetic and pulled you in a certain direction. Whatever the Rambam means, but for us it could mean, you know, like whether, whether someone is going to go into the natural sciences or go into the humanistic studies, as they are called, something mada here means knowledge, a certain kind of knowledge, knowledge of something. Parallel. You know, when the Rambam uses this word tipshim, and then he adds to it hoverei shamayim, means people who don't know anything about heaven. He's talking about non-Jews. He's not talking about Jews. We, we've got it, but they don't. K'moshe bodim elidam tipshim hoverei shamayim, hei chayam etzavel lanu al yedei hanaviyim. I mean, if that were true, then why would God send prophets to tell us what to do. I mean, the prophet himself is an indication that we have free will. That's the prophet. The prophet says, do this, don't do that. Right? Today it's apparent. So, so the Rambam the Rama says, the Rabbim says, I mean, why would God do that? I'll tell Oh, he says, don't, the prophet says, don't continue in your wickedness. Don't go in that way. Don't be in that way. So, If in fact, when he was born, what, what do they call that? His, his genetic makeup was such that he had no choice. If that's the way you see the world, then why would God send prophets to tell people to be better, to do the right thing? I mean, they can't. They can't do the right thing. This is the Ramah. So like he's drawn to a certain course of action that he cannot change. Here the Rambam. The Rambam gives it to you. What would the point be of having a Torah? What would the point be of having a Torah telling you this is good and this is bad? I mean, what difference does it make if it's good or it's bad? I have to, I'm going to do what I can do, what I'm, what I'm uh, uh, compelled to do. That's all I can do. 
What right would we have to punish the wicked? Or to give certain advantages to the righteous. I mean, what difference does it make to us if somebody is righteous or somebody is wicked? If I know that the righteousness and the wickedness are pre-planned, He's predisposed to doing that. It's not his free choice. It's just the way he is. You mean God created a world that was not uh, just? Do not wonder and say, and say, Hey, ach, ye yeha adam how could it be that a person will do whatever he wills and, and, and all of his actions shall be uh, the result of, of his interest? If he would never do anything that God did not approve of. Uh, just imagine that there's you know, the God in heaven with a little machine, and every time you want to do something, God says either yes or no. It has nothing to do with, has nothing to do with anything else. And then he quotes a pasuk. Whatever God wills is what happens in heaven and earth. Da shehakol kechevtso yaaseh. Know that everything is God's will. That's how we talk. I don't mean we. I mean the we, the bigger we, out in, that doesn't go to the Sheyur. They always say, they always, uh, they always feel it's important to include God in whatever you're doing, in whatever you think. So uh, what, what does that mean? Does that mean that you do have free will or you don't have free will? Well, we'll see the Rambam, how the Rambam sees it. We're almost finished with this halacha. Even though we somehow have authority over our own actions, Kate Sadi says, he says, God is in charge, but we're also in charge. I mean, this is like a classical way of dealing with the problem of free will, right? God is in charge. And I'm in charge. Ah, that doesn't sound right, as we'll see in the Rambam. Surely, he says, okay, but, but you know, you, if you want to be religious, you have to accept some sort of contradiction someplace in the system. So there it is. You have a, you have a contradiction. Lo no ra. Keitzad. Kishem shayotzer hafeitz liyot ha'esh veharuach olim lemala. The creator wants, when he created, he wanted fire and wind to go up. Right? They don't, the fire, if you haven't noticed the fire, it sort of reaches to heaven, right? It's uh, good for certain kinds of metaphors. And the same thing is true about the wind. It doesn't stay. Water, however, and land, they naturally sink. They go down. And, and the galgal, the, the wheels, 
that you find in heaven go around. I mean, I don't know if it means what we would call planets, but probably not. He says, everything that was created by God has a nature. And that nature, that nature is what we could see right away. The, the fire goes up, the, the water goes down. It's a nature. It's the way we were, it's the way we were created. They said, and, and in this regard, we're the same way. There are certain inclinations that we have, certain things that we can't escape, certain kinds of activities that we engage in which are uh, special. Lefikach danin ma'asav. But, I'm sorry, in other words, even though you have a nature, but there are also things that you could decide about. And because of that, we judge him according to his action. So of course the Rambam can't leave us hanging in a state where there's no free will, so he says, he says, well, God created the world in a certain way, and therefore all the people in the world can be studied as a unit, right? All people are the same in certain regards, in certain respects. However, every individual in the world might be a little bit different from every other individual, and that's what they're judged about. They're not judged about being the same as everybody else. They're judged about being unique, different, special in those areas where they are allowed. So, he says, Why is that? Because tova and ra'a are his jurisdiction. He can do it. Right? That's what the Pasuk really means. This Pasuk in Malachi, you did it, the Novi said. You did it. It wasn't like your nature that did it. You did it. You have to be punished for it. Another, another Pasuk. They, they chose their way. They chose. Chose his free will. Then he finally quotes a pasuk in Kohelet. A young person should be happy. And you should know that all of these uh, transgressions that you do when you're young, God is going to come along and judge you for them. And so the Rambam comes to the conclusion, based on this pasuk in Kohelet, that everybody has free will options. 
and that for those free will options, if you're not careful, you're going to be judged. And at the end, God judges you, you'll have to pay, you'll have to pay the price. So the Rambam, the Rambam more or less says, you know, comes up with this idea that everybody is the same, has a nature, and, and that's why you could have, that's why you could have medicine because not everybody is different. If everybody was different, then we'd have difficulty. But everybody is, in some regards, the same. This, sometimes this is a problem for medicine, you know. You, but it doesn't, it doesn't matter. The point is that the Rambam says, the Rambam says we are, on the one hand, the same. We have a nature. We are like... Uh, animals, and we're like the fire and the water and the land, we're like all of that, but beyond that, we have a special kind of nature that uh, has to be accommodated, and you have to do the right thing. How do you know? How do Jews claim to know the right thing as against, um, against the Greeks? Right? The Jews claim that we know the right thing because it's in the Torah. It's in the Torah. How do we know that the Torah contains the right thing? Because the Torah says so. Now this may seem like circular, kind of a little circular reasoning, but that's the best we can do. I mean, we can add to that layered. We can layer this idea that the Torah is very important in different ways, but basically, basically that's where we get our notions of free will. One more halacha. One more halacha, I think we'll we'll try to we'll try to do it. Shema Tomar, the Rambam said, you might have doubt. This is a very famous Rambam, right? And if you don't know it, shame on you. So we'll do it now. The Rambam says, the Rambam asks the question: If God is omniscient, and God what does omniscient mean? That God could do everything, do anything. If God no, knows no, everything, no, we're talking no, about sorry. If God knows everything, there's a word for that. Omniscient. Oh, God. that's omniscient. Okay. Omnipotent. If God is omniscient, this is the Rambam. He knows the future. So you could say God knows if Plony is going to be righteous or wicked. Sadiq or Rasha, oh lo yada. Can you say that God doesn't know that? If God knows that Ruvain is going to be a tzadik, so isn't that what it means? When you talk, say about God, that God knows something, knows something is going to happen. So it's definitely going to happen. It's not true about prophecy. It's not true about prophecy. We all know that the prophet can prophesy. And so when he prophesied, he was prophesying the truth, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> Example, Yonah. Right, Yonah said, you are going to be 30 days you're going to be destroyed, he said to the people who live in Nineveh. And they weren't destroyed. Why weren't they destroyed? Because of Chuba. 
Tshuva is the joker in the system. Like, like it takes a truth, it takes something that is true, which is that God, if God knows the future, that future has to happen. That's something that we know. And it takes that future, tshuva, takes that future and upends it. And says, well, maybe it's not going to happen. When you, and that's what, we, that's what we read on Yom HaKippurim, Mincha time. Mincha time is towards the end of the day. Now, I don't know if my explanation is a little romantic or not, but in fact, in fact, what happens at that moment is that we're called upon to believe that tshuva is more powerful than divine knowledge. Now, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. But we're called upon the book of Yonah teaches us that. Exactly that. Right? That uh, the people in Nineveh, the people in Nineveh were declared righteous at a moment. Right? They were, they were all... And so, so the people sitting in shul, tired as they are, at the time of reading Maftir Yonah, and then, depending on who reads it, in the shul, you know, sometimes you get somebody reads it really quickly, uh, because he figures that's what the people want. So you read it very quickly, but then you don't get it. You don't get exactly what Yonah is about, unless you know. But it's, it's worth the effort. It's worth the, there are two books in the Tanakh, that are worth the effort in this regard, one, you know, in the guy relating to tshuva. One is Yonah, and the other is Eov. Eov is too difficult, but, but Yonah is not. Yonah is comprehensible, and therefore I advise it. On Yom Kippur, if you have spaces in the day, learn Yonah. So, can you say about God that he didn't know exactly what was going to happen, that God was taking a guess, a guess? I mean, you can't say that. The only time the Ramam says it. The Ramam says, I want you to know that the answer to this question is very long and very wide, right? Longer than the bi- a big country and wider than a great ocean. And there are certain, uh, there are certain ikarim, the principles that are connected to the answer to this question. You have to understand the place of, of God's place in the world. You see, the Rabbah says, the Rabbah says, okay, you don't get it. But you have to get a little bit. I mean, you don't have to get the whole thing. Right? Remember, the question is, if God knows what's going to happen, doesn't it have to happen? And if it has to happen, then we don't have free will. If we don't have free will, then the whole business is, is non-existent. So the Rabbah says, the Rambam says, You have to understand what I am saying now. 
בפרק שני מלחוץ יסודי התורה, in the second chapter of the first section of Sefer Hamada, which is the first of the 14 books that the Rambam wrote on Halakha, הקדוש ברוך הוא אינו יודע מדי אשי חוץ ממנו מבני אדם שהם ודעתם שונים, אלא הוא ידלה שמו ודעתו אחד ואין דעתו של אדם יכולה להשיג דבר זה על בוריו. That there's a difference between when we say God knows something and when we say we know something, right? And the, and the fault is in connecting these two ideas, right, which are really not connectable. But God, we say God knows something about what's going to happen. It's different than saying, I know something will happen, right? There's a certain, and, and therefore you can't simply extrapolate the I know something into God knows something. And that's what, that's what the Rambam says. It would take us a while for me to try to explain this so I'd like, to, I'd like to go on. Let's assume we've learned the Rambam. Let's assume we've learned the Rambam on, uh, uh, on the sheet. On the sheet. Here. Just here. Perik Lamed Aleph, the last, the last uh, um, section on the sheet, on the, on the, on the other side. There are psukim. There are psukim. This is Moshe Rabbein, as I told you last time. This is Moshe Rabbein at the end of his life. Right? He's 120 years old. He's not going to go to Eretz Yisrael. He's not going to lead the people into the new world, so to speak. But he is going to leave them a message. He's going to leave them a message. And the message that he leaves is here in the parasha of Vayelech, right? Part of the message. Not the, right? the message starts from Nitzavim, Vayelech, Hazinu, Vizot Bracha. The last four parashiyot in the Torah are Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to Bnei Yisrael after it's quite clear that Moshe Rabbeinu is not going to be the person who brings them into Eretz Yisrael. So the Psukim say, say this, Hakilu, if you see it, Dvarim, Paraglamet, Aleph, this is in Vayelet. These are Psukim. Just because they're on a sheet doesn't mean that they're not real. This is the real thing. Hakilu elayet kol ziknei shivteichem v'shotreichem. Shivteichem, shotreichem, Shevet is a, is a tribe. Shodrechem are people who have a certain, uh, they, they have a certain authority. What that is exactly, we can think about. But Hakilu Eli calls Ziknei, the word Ziknei means elders, also people who have achieved a certain kind of status. So the Pasuk says, Hakilu Eli, right? That word, Hakilu, which means collect them together. But it doesn't just mean collect them together, like Kohelet. It's the same word, right? It means I have something to say to them. I want them to stand and listen, because in those days, I imagine, 
the only way to transfer information was if people listened. If people were listening to what you were saying, you couldn't send them an email. Or today, that's already passe, right? You couldn't send them whatever it is people send today. So, kol zignei shivtechem v'shotrechem v'adabraba oznehem I will speak in their ears. Et advarim ha'elu these things. Va'idabam et ha'shamayim v'et ha'aretz. And somehow, in order to guarantee, in order to authenticize, in order to kind of have witnesses that uh, that sign on to the contract, you have to include the heavens and the earth. Now that's a theme almost in these parashiyot that the heavens and the earth are included in what Moshe Rabbeinu says to Bnei Yisrael. Right, listen. Next pasuk, pasuk kavtet is devastating. Ki yadati acharei moti ki hashchei tashchitun v'sartem min haderech asher tziviti etchem ki yadati why, why do I want you to come to, uh, together? What do I want to tell you? What do I want to tell I want to tell you something about the future. And what's in the future? What's in the future? After I die, ki tashchitun. You will destroy everything. You will deny everything. You will make everything rotten to the core. You. These who is he talking to? Skenim, Shotrim, Shoftim. That's who he's talking to, the leadership. The people who are responsible for making sure B'nai Yisrael does not stray. He says, not only is that going to happen, but you're going to deny the road. You're going to say, no, I don't want to go that way. I don't want to go with the, with the mitzvot. Vikarat etchem hara'a bacharit hayamim, and and the 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 terrible destruction that is described at great length in the parasha of Kitavo, Moshe Rabbeinu guarantees that it will come upon them. It will come upon them. It's almost as we said last week that the that if the Torah contains something. It should be real. It should actually happen. You can't say, you can, why would the Torah write uh, such a long uh, series of, uh, of curses against B'nai Yisrael, but they were never going to happen. So Moshe Rabbeinu says, you know, two parshas later, Moshe Rabbeinu says, well, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. The Sardem and you're going to deviate from the road. Karat, karat, it'll happen. An event. There'll be this event. Karat and yamim at the end of days, whenever the end of days is. Not our issue. Kita Hashem you'll do some terrible things to anger God. with the with the actions of your hands. What can you do with your hands to anger God? Of course, you know, idolatry. You build it, you make it, you do things with it. That's what that's what idolatry idolatry is. <clears throat> so I don't understand. 
if the Rambam, if the Rambam taught us, if the Rambam taught us that not even God knows what's going to be in our terms, of course in divine terms, God may know what's going to be, but in our terms, the way we understand things, the way we understand things, uh, we have free choice. What is Moshe Rabbeinu saying? Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, you don't have free choice. That if the Torah wrote in the parasha of Kitavo, if the Torah wrote all of these things, the terrible things that are going to happen, then how is it possible that it's not going to happen? And if it's not going to happen, you don't have a choice. And that's what the Rambam says. Look at what the Pasuk says. I'm sorry. Pasuk Kaptat. Ki yadati, Moshe Rabbeinu. Achrei moti, ki ashchei tashchitun. I'm sure of this. That after I die, you will be disruptive. You will destroy everything. Nothing will have any value. How would it mean he knows? Why does he know? He spent a lifetime teaching people to do the right thing. Why is he so certain that everybody's going to do the wrong thing? And I always like Rashi's comment. You see Rashi's comment, the last, last pasuk in Rashi, he says, That's what Rashi says. Moshe Rabbeinu is mistaken. It's not true that after I die, you will destroy everything. Because after Moshe Rabbeinu died, came Yoshua ben Nun. And there's no evidence that in the days of Yoshua ben Nun, they were carried off into the world of idolatry. It's not true. Lo ishchitu There's a pasuk. Yoshua Kavdala. That's the last perek in Yoshua. Yavdu b'nei Yisrael et Hashem kol yemei Yehoshua. And it says in the Pasuk. So the Rashi makes a kasha out of this. I don't know if it's a kasha. We I mean, have to think about it. But Rashi says, Rashi says, how could Moshe Rabbeinu say that after I die you're going to be that way when the Pasuk in Yoshua says, you're not going to be that. You weren't that way. All the days of Yoshua, everybody was happy. Let's finish the Rashi. Mikan. From this we learn the principle that a, a person has a Talmud. The Talmud is beloved as his own body. So that, what, what did Moshe mean when he said, you're going to do it, you're going to become idolatrous, you're going to leave the way. He meant after Yoshua died. He meant after Yoshua died. The Rashi does this sometimes. Rashi does this sometimes. He says, there's a moral lesson that derives from a pasuk that has nothing to do with what the pasuk is talking about. So, Moses, so Rashi leaves us with the question, what about, what about Moshe Rabbeinu? Why, how could Moshe Rabbeinu say to B'nai Yisrael, he said, okay, gather together, folks. I want to tell you what's going to be. You're going to mess up. It's all going to be awful, 
and you're going to be punished with all the punishments that are in the uh, in the uh, book in the, in the list in Kitabo. Now, if you go back to the right side, you remember in Nitzavim. I'm trying to move on in Nitzavim. The parsha before Vayelech, Perik Lamed, is what we call Parshat HaTshuva. Parshat HaTshuva. And interestingly, in that parasha, there's a pasuk. You see the pasuk? It's very in Perik Lamed, pasuk Vav. Umal Hashem Elokechad Levavcha, Ve'et Levav Zaracha. God will circumcise your heart and the hearts of your progeny, la'ava, to love it, Hashem Elokecha b'chol levavcha b'chol nafshecha l'man chayecha. That's what the Pasuk says. The strange thing about the Pasuk is the inclusion of this idea of mal. And in Hebrew, the idea of mal to circumcise means, a perm- refers to a permanent change. Right? That, that's what circumcision is. It's, it's permanent. It's permanent, whether it has to be permanent or, or what do you have to do to make it permanent. You know, you know, the way we do it, the way we do it, usually, usually it, it, in order to protect the result, we have to use tape. Whether they use, how they did it a thousand years ago, I'm not, not sure. So in any event, there's a Ramban. The Ramban explains this. We didn't see the Ramban last week, but we're going to look at it now because it's relevant to the question that we asked that came up at the end of the parasha of Vayelech when Moshe Rabbeinu said, you will not be successful. That's what he said to Bnei Yisrael. So the Ramban says this. Zel Shamru, I remain, he says, I remind myself of a Gemara. Somebody who wants to be pure or purified, go to a mikveh, help him. He says, there's a promise, just like there are many promises in the Torah, but there's a promise here. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu will help you to do this act of tshuva. And, and the psukim, the psukim are supportive of this idea. Right? She'omer, ki mizman habriyah, from the time of creation, you sound familiar? Sound, it should. If it doesn't sound familiar, I should retire. So, so it says, from the time of the creation of the world, the way the world was created was there was a free will given to man to either become a righteous person or a wicked person. And this was true for the entire period 
of the Torah, that means from Adam Arishon until the death of Moshe Rabbeinu. And this, like, biblical period, this time that is covered by the Torah was operated in a way where you did good things, you were rewarded. You did bad things, you were punished. Avali Mota Mashiach, the Ramban says. Limota Mashiach, there's going to be a change. In the time of the Messiah, the choice in goodness will become nature. It'll become natural. It's not the heart. The heart is not going to be interested in things that are not worthy. And he wouldn't want it at all. And that's the intention of using the, the, the word right? Circumcision. A change. A total change. Means you won't have it like if you, if you had a an inclination to do something wrong, you just won't have it anymore. If you used to talk lush and horror, you just won't. It won't be because because somebody's forcing you not to, or because you're being but you're just not gonna be interested. or programmatic statement by the Ramdan, by the Ramban. Chemda means things that you desire. And ta'ava is also Things that you desire, that things that you desire, orla they are the orla that covers up the heart, just like there's an orla that covers up the, uh, the the place that is circumcised. The circumcision removes the orla. The pasuk says that your heart also has an orla, that the way you were created, you were created with an imperfection. And that imperfection will disappear in Yemot HaMashiach. And that, that what will happen, what will happen is Lo There won't be a desire. That desire, that desire will disappear. So, so if you look at the Ramban, if you look at the Ramban and you remember the Ramban and you remember the Rambam and you remember the Psukim, you see that, that it would seem that what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to Bnei Yisrael, or maybe, maybe what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying to Bnei Yisrael is that you have to understand that we're living in an unfinished world, a world that, that demands an adjustment, uh, a change. And that change, that change will enable the nation of Israel, the people, all of the people together, to live up to the standard that was predetermined 
predetermined creation. And again, the Ramban says that at the time of the Bible, right from Adam Rishon until the death of Moshe Rabbeinu, people lived in that world. They were responsible. They, they uh, were punished for being bad, and they were rewarded for being, for being good. So that means that on, on the time of Tshuva, Yom HaKippurim, we're not only davening, we're not only davening for forgiveness. We're davening in the hope that the world will change. That the Ramban told us the world will change. And, and the Ramban also agrees that the world that we live in is not the same as the world that the animals live in. But the Ramban adds to that, adds that, that there's a change that has to happen. And that change is called Yemotah Mashiach, the days of the Messiah. So when we're, we're not only hopeful that we are going to be better, but we're hopeful that somehow we'll be able to connect to the best. There's better, and there's the best. Okay. Gemar uh, Chasimah